Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on today's episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we are discussing the difference between the public markets and the private markets. A lot of people don't know this stuff, so we brought in Cliff from Equiton to break it all out, all out for us. He's the COO there. And look, I want to explain something and why we're sharing all this different kind of information and why this isn't just about real estate. We're sharing topics, and you're going to see over the next couple of weeks, we're going to bring back Greg and uh, Brian um, talking about Amazon. Um, we're going to bring on some guys from our own team that have traveled the world for a little while to share their story is what we're doing with Rockstar and rental properties is trying to give us options and different sources of income and equity in our lives that allow us to live life on our terms. So the reason on this particular podcast um, we're talking about public and private markets is we want everyone to know as much as possible uh, what, on, what the, on what the investing options, on what you can invest in, in what you can invest in. I'm stumbling over my words here, but we want to know, um, we want everyone to know the difference between what the private markets are and what the public markets are. And we talk about apartment buildings. We just wish we had access to this information. I mean, when Nick and I, before we quit our corporate jobs and went down this journey, we couldn't get this information. It wasn't available to us. So using this podcast as a way to distribute some of this information really kind of puts us in our happy place. And that's why over the next few weeks, you're going to hear us talk about all sorts of different topics. Um, some of them are going to be real estate related. Some of them are going to be non-real estate related. Sometimes we'll go on economic and middle-class destruction rants, and sometimes we won't. In general, you should know we are very optimistic people, and we believe that you can craft your life and build your life in any way you want. And sometimes having access to information is the best way for you to make decisions for the next step of your own life. And that's what we're trying to do here. So if you are listening to this and you are thinking that maybe you want to get into real estate, but you're not sure exactly um, if now's the right time for you, you can check out a bunch of stuff from us and specifically what report we put together on mapping out the cost of university versus the cost of buying a, a rental property and mapping those two things against each other. Like if you took the money to put one of your kids through university and instead buy, bought a rental property, who's further ahead? Now it's a little bit of a ridiculous little riddle we were trying to solve because the value of education is obviously prices giving, priceless, giving somebody the ability to, to, uh, to think and research and write and communicate. And those are all skills you get from school. We're not trying to replace that, but we did want to see what is the financial cost of going to university. And if we just took that and bought a rental property instead, who would be further ahead if we compare future income and that kind of stuff. You can get a copy of that report at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash university. That's at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash university to get a copy of that report. And so with this, you'll hear Cliff and I, uh, Nick jumps in onto this episode as well, break down some of the different um, differences between the markets of public and private markets. We talk about apartment buildings. We get into some other stuff. Enjoy the show. Are you ready to live life? on your terms is it time to take charge real estate business building the economy health and nutrition and more it's the your life your term show with tom and nick Carazza. are you ready let's go okay cliff so uh tell us why doesn't it feel like you had two weeks off what have you been up to just how does someone get to, to be because we just had the holidays yes were you not relaxed enough in the holidays it's very relaxing did I, you drink enough wine i drank too many alcoholic beverages okay. probably ate too many carbs okay got it and now you think you're suffering no no i just want to go back to that yeah i, I go back to my pajamas 
I know. It's nice. An email. You're not always on email. No, I. You're not I, always I purposely, on a text message. No, I purposely stayed away Isn't from that. Isn't so nice? Yes. I did neglect my family for part of it because I was rewatching Game of Thrones. Because Game of Thrones, I don't blame you. For Game of, I'm not even a huge TV series kind of dude, but Game of Thrones is over. The, like when I meet someone who hasn't watched Game of Thrones, I'm yeah, like, you, what you, are you, you what, you're, really? You're, you're not my people. Yeah, like you're really, so you're <laughs> one of those people who everyone's going to tell you it's like the best show ever, ever. and you're purposely, well, yeah. Breaking Bad was pretty good too. See, now I, I, I will take issue with that. It, you don't it, like Breaking Bad? Well, it, it, there's Cliff, a, there's I'm a few, sorry. There's, there's no, no, no. episode is over. No, no, there's a few, there's a few shows that kind of, they hit that, that third series, that yeah, third okay. season, yeah, where the writers bump. just run out of stuff. Yes, and so I think Breaking Bad did that for me. I'm, I'm going to really sell myself out. Breaking Bad did that for me. Yeah, Nick, Walk, Nick says the same. Walking thing. Dead. Okay, did that. I never watched Walking Dead, so I'm one of the guys who everyone's told me to watch that. So I'm doing yeah. what I've told others not to do. Yeah, Dexter did that as well. So it was yeah. I just feel like the writers, they get a good premise for like a season, then the show takes off, and then they're like, oh shit. What do we do? The show took off, and yeah. we have nothing else to That's say. That's right. But Game of Thrones just got just went better. crazier and crazier and then and I, and I try to because I was late to Game of Thrones as well yeah so we're yeah so we're it yeah. was uh, I, I kind of I think it was sort of three or four years in and I'm like okay finally okay okay I'll give it a try because I, I remember trying the first few episodes and I thought dragons and the- dragon's eggs and okay I can suspend my disbelief only so much but then I'm like okay everybody's going on about it I'll give it another shot and I think it was one of those series where you have to at least the first season anyways you gotta you know gotta give it four or five i think episodes. it was better that i binge watched the first few yeah. seasons like that yeah. yeah yeah so now you have to go back because i picked up so many things that i missed yeah that's impressive you're hardcore i feel like yeah. you should be wearing a game of thrones t-shirt or yeah something. i, I should have come in my cosplay get a tattoo maybe even a tattoo a, a co- i should have come on my cosplay what's a cosplay Oh, is really? that the name of the? I guess I'm not. No, a true it's where fan. you dress up like oh, you know, really? like a stormtrooper and oh, go to yeah, Comic no, Con. No. no, see how I can bo- I'm boring life, man. <laughs> Give me a little bit of wine. Put my Toronto Maple Leafs or Raptors on TV. The Croatian moonshine. Yeah, the Croatian moonshine. <laughs> Croatian moonshine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I've had my fair share of Croatian moonshine over the years. The funny part is, is uh, we owe someone some of our father's wine. So yes. our father makes wine every year. Yes. Because I know you grew up in Stony Creek, circled That's, by yeah. Italians and Croatians. Correct. Correct. Um, and uh, so you're familiar with this. We just helped our father this fall make his next batch of wine. I mean, he's 79 now. We're Good still for making him. wine. Good for him. All his buddies come over. He it's hasn't like a, heard of you know LCBO oh, and vintages. Cliff. Cliff. <laughs> His, he, wine, he wants is, his, his product. wine is so much better. Of course it is. Cliff, if you open up a bottle of wine from the LCBO in front of my father, that's insulting. Oh, right, right. You don't understand the Croatian yeah. culture. That's, that's a, right. That's cheap. That's yeah. that's that's poor you. You had to go to the store. You know, <laughs> what's it's, the matter with you? you yeah, can't what's the matter? Make it with your you, own hands? You don't know. You, you, you don't know. <laughs> and uh, I mentioned this, and some uh, some investors that we work with dropped off some bottles yes. um, at one of our uh, classes. And I, they're sitting behind me here in this bag. Yes. So now I have to wash them out. And at this next event on February 2nd, I'll have these bottles of wine for these members that dropped so off the bottles. So we can't afford to give up that much of my, No, we can actually afford to do it. Yes. Uh, it's just my father would destroy us if we gave away all his wine. Yes. So, Fair enough. No, you know, I, I gonna, if, if you don't have your bottles in yet, yes. no, but Cliff, if you wanted a bottle of our father's wine, it's the best homemade wine the be- in okay. all of Eastern Mississauga. Eastern Mississauga. Yeah. That is, East of Highway 10 all is, the way to Etobicoke. That is a very specific oh, yeah. demographic. Yeah. Yes. And we know 
know that because all, uh, all our father's friends come and they tell him that because apparently another buddy on the other side of Highway 10 in Mississauga makes pretty good wine too. Oh, okay. Our father doesn't think so, by do the way. Do you not take the, like, do they not all show up at the creation picnic and, oh, yeah. and bring their... That's how it works, and yeah. They, they all share their they, wine and they talk about how great their wine is. Is there no judging involved? Like, oh, Does yeah, anybody no. have like a contest to see who makes the uh, best? I think they just comment on each other's wines behind oh, okay. their backs of each right. other. Right, You know, and if they're drunk enough, then they just say it to their face. They don't put it on social media. No, probably. oh no, no they don't <laughs> have Instagram. They don't have Instagram. <laughs> no, not. But I'll tell you, our father grew up. Uh, grew up. Our father played. Uh, I guess the Italian word would be like bocce ball. Yeah, yeah. Like lawn yeah. bowling. Yep. It's like Balota in, in, in Croatian. Mm-hmm. And in Mississauga, there's a park on the eastern side of Mississauga off Burnhamthorpe Road there okay. called Fleetwood Park. Yeah. You okay. know Fleetwood Park? I do know where that is. Uh, okay. yeah. uh, Hazel McCallion, the mayor of, of yes. Mississauga, used to come and sit with our father and his friends. <laughs> if you could, but this is why she's such a great mayor or was for so many years. Yes. She would sit with these old guys. Yeah. For I guess she was probably older than them. But anyway, well, she, yeah. yeah, she would. She would have been. She's yeah. like 90. Yeah, she's like two years older than God's parents. Yeah, I think parents. the Ford government in Ontario here just hired the, her as an advisor or something. Something like that, yeah. 100000 a year. She's making like hundred grand for... She's like. Are 90. they giving her a driver? Because I heard I, that there was... I drove behind her there once some in issues, Mississauga. There were some issues she with her. She was the slowest. I'm like, who is this person? No, no, she was into the... I know. The, she was, yeah. yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> we won't share what hand signal that you're just... No, making. no, that's right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, she sat with her father and stuff, and they were complaining for like... One summer, there was no washrooms at this park. The next summer, doesn't she have washrooms there built there? I think the baseball players liked it. With the attendant that it. gives you, you know, No, no, not quite no, the no, attendant no, or no, anything okay, like that. No. But listen, that's not why I quite brought you here. Oh, okay. Um, I do want to ask you a coffee question in, <laughs> Certainly. in, in a second. But I know you are, um, you know, before we talk about Equiton specifically and stuff, I, if you... First of all, what's your role at Equiton? Let me just, for someone listening to this, just so they understand, what do you do at Equiton? Yes. So I um, kind of do everything that most, no, one else, no, wants one, to no do. one else wants to do. So I, I, you know, I make sure the dishwasher's full at the end of the day, yeah, yeah. clean out the garbage. the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a little bit of everything. Um, so I help out with, you know, marketing, product development, retail sales, wholesale sales, the, you know, everything. Everything. Got it. Okay. And Equiton is a, uh, I was going to say it's like access to like private equity Mm -hmm. markets and stuff, but is that the right, Equiton's an investment, uh, investment company? It's an investment company. We, you know, we, we, you know, like to focus specifically on, on private investments and those that are real estate based. Um, we do offer some, you know, wealth management services too, but, you know, by and large our, you know, our claim to fame is, is access to private equity real estate. Okay. So yeah. this is what I wanted you to explain for anyone listening to this, because I didn't understand this when I was younger. What is the difference between the public markets mm-hmm. and the private markets? And I know for you, that might sound like a very basic question, no, no, but no. for, for me, no. I remember hearing that. And for years I was like, I don't get it. What is the difference between the public market and the private market? Yeah. Can you explain that just so you, we can you all bet. understand? You and. and don't even worry about not knowing about it. I spent 15 years in financial services before coming to this, and I didn't know what it was either. So for, you know, for many people when it comes to investing, whether it's for their you know, retirement or their day trading or whatever they want to do, they're investing in the stock market in some form or fashion. So whether that's you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. Nick is joining us. Hello, Nick. Um, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, that kind of thing, or they're, you know, trading Bitcoin and pot stocks and whatever. And that's what most people use to, you know, build up their investment portfolio. But up until very recently, um, you know, most people, that's all they had access to. And so the private markets have been around for a number of years. um, But by and large, it was the playground of the rich and famous kind of thing. You had to be, you know, a high net worth or accredited investor, or you had to be an institution. 
And so, you know, if we, if we pick on institutions for a minute, whether that be, you know, banks or the pension funds or endowment funds, they recognized a long time ago that they could add private markets as part of their investment portfolio. So what are the private markets? You know, I like to tell people, if you drive up and down the 401 or the 403 and you look on either side of the highway, there's all kinds of companies. Many of them aren't listed on the stock exchange, right? But they need money for their, you know, their widget manufacturing line. Inventory, gonna, whatever payroll, it is. Yeah. million reasons. And so how do they... How do they raise money? How do they raise capital? So they use the private markets. So it's it's an investment in a company or in a fund, just like you would on the stock market, except it's not traded on the stock market. So, you know, what are the benefits of that or what are the disadvantages of that? You know, one of the things that people have had drummed into their head when it comes to investing is that, you know, the stock market has instant liquidity. You can get in, you can get out whenever you want. You call up your broker, you say buy, sell, hold, whatever. Which always made me lose money because it's so liquid. I could just make emotional decisions. That's sell, right. Sell, so, sell. And, and many people don't actually action it, right? They have that liquidity, but they never sure. actually, yeah, yeah. they never use it, right? They, they like the fact that they have it, but they don't execute. So one of the things with the private market is that it's not as liquid. You can't get in and out at a moment's notice. You know, some are very, very restrictive and, and other, others have a little bit more leeway. So it's an investment in a company or it's an investment in real estate but it's not traded on the stock exchange. So in, you know, what ends up happening is you don't have the emotion of the stock exchange or, or the stock market driving the value of your investment. So, you know, when it comes to real estate, when you buy a, a, a commercial building or when you buy a flip home, your investment is tied directly to that asset. That's what it's worth, right? You paid $500,000 for that house. You have a $500,000 investment. Well, in the stock market, if you invest $500,000 in something, and the stock market crashes, your investment will drop. But that asset that you invested in, whether it's you know Google or whatever, still has value. Still exists. And that value is there, but you as the investor only get what the emotion of the stock market dictates. And so that's the that's really the difference between the public and the and the private. Very similar, but you don't have the liquidity. You tend to get higher returns on an apples to apples basis. And the private markets are available to not all Canadians, or they are available to all Canadians. They they are available to all Canadians. Ontario was a little bit behind the times uh, up until 2016. It was very restrictive in Ontario. The rest of the country had figured it out, but the uh, the. Ontario regulator had had been a little bit res- reticent to you know to include these new investor categories, but now it's available to just about everybody, um, and depending on your qualification, it's really an income or an asset test, that will determine how much you can invest in a twelve month period. Okay, so a firm like yours or anyone representing the private markets has to ask the investor. Uh, you know, there has to be like an application. There's a K, like I know your client at KYC. There's a qualification process that Got you have it. to go through. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's it's very before it had to be an accredited investor status. You, you now got it. it's is it, elig- is Correct. it called eligible, eligible investor, investor, which is a bit of a lower bar that you have to meet. Yes, um, that's right. But I guess that's Ontario protecting investors and that kind of stuff. That's correct. But because the bar has been lowered, you, more people have access to the private markets. Correct. And access to or or to access the private markets, they would go to firms like an Equiton or mm-hmm. others. Or others, I'm not trying correct. to say run no, to Equiton, no, no, but no, I, I just mean, um, and those companies are have investments in some of these companies, like you said, that exist up and down the hall, uh, highways mm-hmm. that need some cash and they're investing in different companies. You, you got it. Or into buildings and stuff like mm-hmm. you guys are. Okay, my next question for you then is, what do you wish people knew about the private markets that are they always get wrong? 
Like, there, is there something where, because for me, mm-hmm. something you said when I met you was it was around offering memorandums. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, hey, I, I've yep. looked at so many offering memorandums and stuff like that. Yep. Is there one thing that you just wish everybody knew about the private markets that just drives you insane that they don't? Sure. I, well, I think I would even take it, I would go a step back. I would just like people to know about the private markets because that's one of the things in, in Ontario. People don't know that there is an op- you have an opportunity here. They just don't know that it exists because the banks and, you know, Wealthsimple or Questrade or whoever it is that, you know, what most people have access to when it comes to investing, they don't necessarily offer these kinds of investments. So they don't tell you so about them. So they're not them. profiting off it. So, yeah, they don't talk. They don't, and, they don't. and, you know, something interesting to me about the private markets whenever I've now learned about them and mm-hmm. think about uh, think about them, it reminds me of the days where the stock market was when it was easier to get an information advantage. Like pre-internet, oh, yeah. you could get an information sure. advantage because not everybody had the information. You I'll give it. you like. Like my only information advantage, and I like to call it insider trading, even though it wasn't, but it's just my own little insider <laughs> yes. trading story. Is yes. after university, I went to a school um, that was uh, take, accepting post grad students to teach them IT skills. Okay, I went there. They opened up on Bay Street in Toronto. I was the first student in Toronto mm-hmm. to go. Very first one. I signed up. I gave my thirteen thousand six hundred dollars. I almost cried. You know, cried. Our parents <laughs> helped me out uh, do it. All my friends just kind of rolled their eyes that I was doing this thing. It was the best move I ever made, by the way. Yeah, but it was a lot but I remember when I signed on think looking at how much money and then I saw the lineup of other people mm-hmm. that were getting ready to hand over money then I saw that they were going to start trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange ah. and I thought oh my gosh I like I'm, yeah. I knew nothing about stocks right. okay yeah but I just saw what I thought looked like an opportunity yes so I quickly took whatever little money I had which might have been a thousand dollars left to my name and I put it <laughs> all in this company yes and it did I think it doubled on me so I turned my thousand dollars into two thousand and I quickly cashed out yeah okay oh, and it went you. up a little further yeah and then I think and somehow, then it came down because your thousand <laughs> that went to two thousand was probably the thousand bucks that I put in <laughs> yeah. when it came so, down not so. only did Nick then put in some money after he heard I made some money but I think our mom yes. put in some money too and it came down afterwards oh. and I just felt so badly. So did you give it give it back no, to her out of your no, end? No, I, oh, I gave nothing back. I gave yeah, nothing you owe me a thousand bucks. I just think about it yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, so my that's plus my the, plus the vig on that, right? For oh yeah, yeah, yeah for right? sure. Yeah. That's but a number I, of years I, and I, I charge high interest yeah. rates. <laughs> so there's my that's my insider trading uh right. But you know, to me that's where the stock market has lost some of its allure is that now with algorithms trading and stuff like that, the the ability to get an information advantage on the public markets like it just just even with the internet. If yes. it was only humans trading just the internet alone has kind of reduced the information advantage because whenever there's a something going on with a currency change in brazil or of course says we all know about it instantly mm-hmm. but now with the algorithms too so the private markets give some of us if mm-hmm. you want to do the research the yep. ability to get an information advantage and why this is such a big thing for nick and myself is nick will always say this too is that the reason we like real estate so much it's one of the few assets that a we can control Correct. Because even if we like a company on the public markets that we're going to invest in, you can't we influence. don't know the board of directors, Correct. we don't know the CEO, we can't control them. Whereas with our little rental property, as crazy and scary as real estate can be, mm-hmm. we can put our hands on it you and control it. it to the best of our ability. There's obviously risk factors, interest rates, the economy, like it's not a bulletproof investment by any means, Nothing but is, we can yeah. control it ourselves directly. So A, that's A, and B, we can get an information advantage. If we know the area mm-hmm. and we know what's going on on Correct. this particular street in Toronto, Mississauga, Ham- Oshawa, Hamilton, Barrie, yep. there's information there that maybe someone else around the corner doesn't know. Mm-hmm. 
and we can actually put that to our own advantage. And to me, the private markets are kind of a little bit like introducing some of that to people where if, if you do some research, you find an asset class that you like, you find a company that's offering it on the private markets, Correct. you can put some information advantage to your benefit. Yes. I don't know if you think of it no, that way. It I, sounds like you I, do. I, I totally agree. And you have to do the research. One of the things that people forget is that in the public markets, in the stock market, there's a prospectus available. But many people don't pick that up. And it's not, you know, it's made available the to you. Prospectus is that thing that's like, uh, yeah, you know, the most two, boring, two hundred pages. Yeah, yeah, it's riveting. Like, the, right? yeah, riveting information. Cure, cure for insomnia. I, 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 I think like to say. Uh, the mutual funds have them as mutual is it mutual funds. Because yeah, I remember you know, pouring through those trying to uh, di dissect my management fees. Oh and, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, I couldn't figure it out, and that's when I realized I was getting ripped off. Yeah, so I'm like, if I can't figure this out, something is it's, it's ripping hidden, me it's, off. It's here. somewhere, and and the same thing, right? So with the, with an offering memorandum, it's kind of a, it's probably not the correct way to 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 sort of describe it, but it's kind of like prospectus light in that it, it still has all of the same, you know, risk rewards. Here's what the business is. Here's what the strategy is. Here are the assets that we're getting involved in. Here's what we can do from a, you know, loan to value or, or whatever. So it lays all those things out. Um, but as a private investment, you know, we have to make sure you get it and that you it's available to okay, you to, so to look at. Okay, so the offering memorandum is something filed with the Ontario Security Correct. Commission. So Correct. this is something, if you want to put something on the private markets, you have to put this thing together. Yes. And then it's approved by someone, or no, it just goes on file It goes somewhere? on file. The, the OSC okay. doesn't approve anything, okay. um, but it, it goes on file. So, you know, you work with securities lawyers to, to put these things together because you want to make sure that they're, you know, they're airtight for the investor as, as well as the, you know, the company creating these securities. So it is a security. Um, it's not, you know, approved and stamped and blessed by the OSC as good to go. Um, but not, you know, prospectuses aren't either, right? It's really, you know, the investors, the investors job to make sure they understand what they're, what they're getting into and what the risks are. But the documents are this, you know, they're, they're by and large the, you know, the same. The public markets have a little bit, you know, different when it, uh, different standards when it comes to sort of reporting and things like that. That's where there are some differences. And then, you know, the biggest difference is the whole liquidity thing, right? Yeah, how, so how does it compare when you, if uh, you may be able to answer this question, yeah, may not, yeah. but you know, the, the local mortgage broker that works with some small time developer that's buying, that bought a little lot and it's going to build eight townhomes on it. Right. And gone to this mortgage broker and this mortgage broker now sends out an email saying, hey, we're raising funds for this development project with right. this guy that's never developed property before. Right. Who knows if he's going to go bankrupt. Correct. Um, but anyways, we're raising funds for him anyways. Yeah. Right. So and, and don't they like how come they don't need this type of documentation so, when they when they send stuff like that out? Yeah. So that's a great question. So it, it depends on a couple of things. It depends on what what form that capital raise takes. So what I mean by that is, are they raising equity? Or are they, is, is it a, a mortgage syndicate? Is it a loan, right? So those ha fall under different regulators, right? So mortgages and any kind of lending fall under FISCO and any kind of equity um, will fall under the Ontario Securities okay. Commission. Now, having said that, if you're not in the business, and I'm using you know quotes here, you can't see it, we but see your you see my quotes. Yeah, yeah, if, if you're not in the business of raising capital, um, so this is a one-off thing that you're doing to help your buddy or, or whatever. You know, there is an exemption that you kind of, that you can avail yourself of. And that's, you, if you have more than, if pardon me, if you have less than 50 individual investors in that particular scenario that you've described, then it doesn't fall under, you know, you don't need to have an OM and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to put together this document and, and have auditors and a board and all that kind of stuff. You know, the, but you know, the OSC could always say, yeah, well, you've done 
you know, one little project with 25 investors and now you've done another project with 15 investors and now you've done a third project with 10 yeah, investors. You're kind of in the business of raising capital. You should get then registered with the OSC. You should be creating an offering document, yada, yada, yada. And, and that has happened before where people get caught out on, on those rules. So it's very important. If you're going to be in the business of raising money for these kinds of investments, you need to make sure that you've got the right registration and, and that you've, you know, that you're, providing this um, with the right documentation. And then what would someone, uh, is there anything in these offering memorandums that someone should kind of look for? I don't know, something that made a raise an alarm bell or just give them peace of mind? Sure. That, you know, if they're going to invest in the private markets and they ask, I'm assuming some people might ask you for your, do people ask, or is that no, people don't ask for offering mem memorandums? Oh, no, it's 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 part of the documentation yeah, okay. and part of, you know. No one reads them. No one reads but, them. Yeah, yeah. No, but, I'm, <laughs> I, I, but, but let's say you were going to read them. Is yes. there something that just is like, oh, that's a red flag or there's something that is like, that really gives me peace of mind? Yes. So I, I think there's a, a few things that people, should really pay attention to is one is first of all you know what's the asset class that you're getting involved in so if it happens to be real estate great it's real estate or if you're doing um, you know receivables factoring or or, or whatever um, you, need, you need to be comfortable with the asset class firstly secondly I think the people that are running this investment the people that are creating the investment the people that are making the the strategy decisions and also the tactical decisions on what to buy it's important that they have experience in that space because unfortunately in, in the, you know, the private space, there have been some blowups over the last few years. And, you know, by and large, when you, you know, that discussion we had about, I went through all, I went through all these OMs. One of the things that kind of jumps out is like, well, the person that's created this fund has never done this before. They've never built storage units or, or, or whatever. So in, in my mind, why, why do I want to get in bed with someone who is going to be learning on the job using my money, right? So I think it's important to-, to And be, you're having to deduce that, you figure that out yourself just by uh, reading the, the offering the, memorandum the, and I mean, looking it, at- you, you know, usually what happens is the, you know, the the decision makers or the executive committee we'll for their, that fund, their, their bios, bios are there, listed there. So you can look at that, okay. Right, or, or if you, you know, there, there are red flags. You see, you know, they've got, their head office is in some one-stop light town in, you know, Northern Saskatchewan, and then they have another head office in Miami. Oh, what are we doing here? Right. Yeah, like yeah. what, what, yeah. Like what, Cayman Islands is the third. <laughs> right. It, so it, th those are kind of red yeah. flags. Right. Yeah. So you know, people that aren't necessarily from the, you know, from the asset class and okay. haven't run those kinds of things. I thought because, you were going to say from the hood. I don't no, know no, why. The, That's the, what I'm, like you were going to say. No, no, I'm from the hood. That's fine. <laughs> the hood. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So got it. So the bio is an important one. The just, bio is just looking a, yeah, for history the, and experience. Hist history and experience. You know, it's also important that there is really sort of rigorous um, compliance and oversight. And what, 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 yeah, what would I look for that? You should look for a board of directors on, on a lot of these, because just like a public company has a board of directors, um, a lot of these offering memorandums, you should look for that as well to give you comfort. And it needs to be, you know, a true board of directors that it's not, you know, cousin, cousin, Frank. friend, the guy across the street, okay. you know, my mother's on it kind of thing. You, you really want you, you want to see a board just like you would with a pu public company is somebody on that board that has experience or some kind of complementary skill again to the asset the class. Board, the responsibility of the board is to uh, they're approving decisions. They can. I mean, it depends on how much. See, again, it, because it's the private space there, you know, there's not that many hard and fast 
fast rules around what you need to have in place for the board and what the responsibilities okay, so of the does board e are. Let me ask you this way. Does Equiton have a board? We do. Okay. And how do you guys use your board? Maybe that'll help us yeah, paint the picture. So, so what we've done is, you know, um, for some of the solutions that we offer, we have a five-member board. Only two are insiders and three are independent. And they are independent real estate experts in their own right. So they bring complementary skills. And so we have empowered the board to, you know, we have to get unanimous approval when we do things. So whether we're buying a building, selling a building, you know, changing the, you know, the distribution, increasing the unit price, whatever it is. The whole board has to approve The whole it. board, the whole independent board has to approve. And the two insiders, you mean they're part of Equiton? Correct. They have yeah. some connection yeah. to Equiton. That's the right. My, my, my CFO and my CEO. Are, okay. are the two insiders. Uh, okay, yeah. makes sense. And the other three people are not any Correct. stakeholders in Equiton. They're completely independent. Correct. And, and what we did was we we didn't know any of these people prior to, to setting up any of our funds. We did a Canada-wide search with like Institute of Corporate Directors of Canada or something like that. And we did a, an interview process. I didn't, I, Nick and I didn't get a call for that. We didn't, you, you, are your, you, I guess your you, criteria was just a little bit maybe beyond us. Is that why our phones didn't ring? No, we, we didn't know. We didn't oh, even know yeah. you okay. I was we just thinking about our board of directors. Yeah. It's like what? a couple little figurines that we have on the shelf. Are they yeah. It's a, it's a bobblehead bobble there? Yeah. Yeah, bobblehead. Bobble yeah. yeah. Nick oh, got yeah. me that. That's a bobblehead of me. Nick bought me that for my birthday. That's what you get for your birthday from your brother. Yeah. Oh, a bobblehead with a thumbs up. Because I'm trying to bring back the thumbs yeah. up into... He's given you more hair in that though, right? He really is. He's generous. He's a good brother. <laughs> he a He's good a good brother. brother. <laughs> but the thumbs up is really something I'm trying to bring back. Like when yeah. you see somebody, yeah. you don't say hi. You just kind of give them the old thumbs up. I'm trying to bring that back into our culture. Kind of it's really been hard. Yeah. The leather jacket. Yeah. I've been working on that for 10 years and I'm not really getting too far. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying. You try it. But uh, okay. So th that's the role in Equiton. So how would... And I guess you have to figure it out yourself then if they're independent um, from any of the other. Well, again, it'll be there'll be bios it'll there. Be the bio, okay. And you know, but if they're cousin Frank with a different last name, hard to figure it out. It's it can be. Yeah. You okay. got then you ask, right? Okay, you just ask this you, question: you, What you, role does you your just, board serve? You just ask. Yeah. yeah. What and, role and, do they serve, and who right. are they? Okay. And uh, anything else in the offering memorandum? So the bios, so to see the history and experience mm -hmm. of the people involved. Yes. Um, the, how the board is being used and who is me. Who if, if there is one. If there is. Okay. Yep. There doesn't even have to be doesn't one. Doesn't have to be one. Oh, got it. Doesn't okay. have to be one. So it's valuable to have a board just to show that there's some kind of independent objective. Almost third. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm using air quotes now. It's not yep. quite a third party. But it's but governance and oversight. Yeah. You, okay. You want to see that. Okay. Anything else? Um, I think you want to be um, very clear about the asset class and what the particular investment will is allowed to do so for instance if you know all you want is exposure to commercial real estate so you know i i want to buy a fund that invests in malls and offices and and you know strip plazas and things like that and that's all i want access to you need to make sure that that's all that particular investment can do again it can be something whereas oh yeah you know we, we like to invest in in malls in Canada, but, you know, in sort of small, small print. print, it says, you know, we can also invest in car loans in the U.S. kind of thing. Or the or the board has discretion okay. to invest in whatever. And you've seen this we've kind seen of that. stuff? We've seen that in the past where all of a sudden it's surprise. We're doing something that you didn't think that you we could do and you didn't sign up for it. And so it, it's very important to kind of you got to dig through the weeds, you know, just like when you're when you're buying, you know, when you're buying real estate, you want to make sure you get your environmentals, you want to make sure that you get, you know, building inspection, you want to do all that stuff, that due diligence, you, you need to do the same thing to make sure that you're comfortable with what you're getting into. Okay. 
Okay, so those are really good tips. Um, anything else then on the offering memorandum specifically, or does that kind of cover it? I think that really the rest of that, it is describing yeah, the, the purpose. The rest of, of it is kind of boilerplate, like you know what provinces are these available in, and and, and those kinds of things. And you you will see, you know, you'll, there should be audited financial statements um, attached to that as well. So offering memorandums only get updated usually once a year. So you want to make sure that you've got um, that you've got current financials in there, they should be audited. I mean, that's kind of standard practice as well. And it's important to make sure that it's a name brand auditor, not Joe's, you know, auditor sure. and LASIK shop in, yeah. in a strip plaza somewhere. Okay. I know you're saying that joking, but I guess you've seen this kind of seen stuff. It. That's why you're joking about seen it. Seen it. You know, seen, I've also seen offering memorandums, not, ugh, that was OMs, not written by securities lawyers. It's kind of, again, you know, a guy in a strip plaza who does wills and all of a sudden, yeah, he can yeah. he can write an OM. Okay, and then on the financial statements, anything that would stand out specifically? I know financial statements. I mean, yeah, all of us can pick them apart in different ways, I guess. But yeah. is there anything that you would want to look at? I think you want to make sure that you know they're audited and that they're audited to IFRS standards. And you know, you want to you want to understand again if it's if you're investing in income producing assets. Well, you want to see that there's income there. Okay, right? You want to. Uh, what is the IRFS standard? IFRS is the international. Something, something, okay. something. So, but that's kind of the it's top, a body top, that... top, top of the food chain when it comes to accounting standards. So, okay. those are international accounting standards, and okay. and most audited statements tend to fall under that, anyways. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then for you, from private equity, what type of asset classes have you seen? Does it just cover? I mean, you you mentioned some kind of receivables there. Yeah, I know you so, guys are. Uh, I want to talk about apartment buildings in a second. Yeah, sure. But what kind of things have you seen in this in this area? It- anything and everything. So the private market really started in the West, and and our our Western friends were quite far ahead um, compared to other provinces. It really kind of started in oil and gas, 15, 20 years ago. Because they needed they needed to raise money for you Got know it. drilling. And the banks weren't helping and, and, them out, right? Okay. And you know early stage drilling and mining and that kind of thing. It's it's very expensive. And I feel and like Alberta's laws also probably just made it easier to to access private equity. Certainly the cowboy yeah, aspect of it. Bit, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's where the private market started way back when. Um, so you know you see everything. Sometimes you just see. Um, you know, it's a it's a small one off project that's got a fixed term. I, I need to raise money for you know this drilling opportunity and and that's it. So it's not a you know it's not an, a fund that is you know continuing to grow over time where more assets are being added kind of thing. So there's lots of one offs. There's receivables factoring. Uh, I've seen um, consolidation of different types of companies. So uh, I know there's one where they are you know buying up car washes in the U.S. There are some that are building storage facilities. There are those that are um, consolidating dental offices. Yeah, so it. It, okay. it kind of runs so the it gamut. So it's covering pretty much everything. Yeah. yeah. And is there a place in Canada to go to check out different ones? You know, like residential real estate, obviously, you go to MLS.ca or realtor.ca yeah. and you can kind of get access to everything. The commercial real estate in Canada is very different. Yeah. There's no centralized website really to get access Correct. to commercial. Is it the same for private equity? It, it really is. Or like private pr- markets? Yeah, for pr- private markets, you... you for the most part, you have to use your Google skills. Yeah, got it. Um, okay. I mean, you can go and crawl through offering memorandums that are posted on on you know the Ontario Securities Commission website, but okay, so that could be very that, yeah, that would be very laborious because it's you know it goes by name and you can't really tell by the name of the offering what it exactly does. Um, so that that's you know, but getting involved in in um, you know in in real estate groups like yours, yeah, that, just, that, that just gives you access, with just networking and, and, and yeah. So why did, so now let's talk about your apart. I think the first thing that got us chatting is mm-hmm. there were some, 
um, some clients of ours, some, um, some investors that we work with, um, were investing with you. And I guess it set up, it got a conversation going between us. And I think the first one that we were talking about was your apartment. I don't want to say the name incorrectly, but it was your apartment building fund. Yeah. That's the best way to describe it. It's it's got a terrible marketing name. Okay. But 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 it's got a good, well, it's got apartment buildings behind it, which kind of got us interested in it. That's right. What can you describe that one? Like, why did you guys choose apartment buildings? Mm -hmm. How's that particular one set up? Yeah. So, you know, the, the nice thing about apartment buildings and, you know, pardon the, the cheesy real estate pun, but it, it's probably the best foundation for real estate investing. And, and you know, the reason that I believe that it is, is that, you know, apartments are a product of necessity. Simple as that. So there's always going to be demand for apartments. And, and certainly, you know, in Ontario and in the greater Golden Horseshoe, there is no shortage of new people coming, you know, coming to the province. And it's not only just, you know, new immigration, but it's migration as well. Right. You know, you know, we've got a lot of people coming back, back. from Calgary. You know, they're not making $90,000 a year at Tim Hortons yeah. and Fort McMurray anymore. And they, they, they yeah, remember they're, that. They're, era. They're, yeah. they're, they're coming back. Right. Yeah. We're joking about it, but it's almost like it's, it's, it's like a sad story of it what's is. going on. It but, is uh, because you had, you know, you had people leaving the East Coast because oh. they were just going to drive a drive a dump truck and, and make 200 grand a year kind of thing. And, and you know. Unfortunately, those those days are. We had tenants in Hamilton that were flying out. The husband was flying yes. out to Alberta, yeah. making like a hundred, yeah, like two weeks at a time or something, right? And then yeah. coming back, yeah, and yeah, and making it was big money. Yeah. yeah, and so we've got, just got a ton of people coming back, and you know because of the way Ontario is situated, where with you know you've got the green belt on one side and you've got Lake Ontario on the other, we're we're landlocked, right? We're kind of an island. And so there's not a lot of places to go. There's not a lot of new development when it comes to multifamily. And so it's the best place to start. It's the best place to get your feet wet because on the sort of risk spectrum, when you look at all real estate assets, and, and this is one of the things that I find that, you know, when I when I talk to people, they say, oh, I want to get involved in real estate. I'm like, great. What, what, what kind of real estate? Well, well just real estate. Yeah, like, well, yeah, they, they're not all yeah, the same, yeah. right? Yeah, different, yeah. I mean, a car is a car, yeah. but a Ferrari is not a Honda, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So what, what, what do you want to get involved in? And it's like when we get asked, they're like, well, how's the market? And I'm like, well, like that's like, a which, which one? market what yeah. city what area of the city what type Student of property rental like, single family condos <laughs> yeah jeez right and they all behave differently they have you know sort of different risk reward profiles they're they cash flow differently yeah. they've got different tenant you know the vacancy issues so it's important to to understand all that and i think you know apartments are easy for people to understand cuz many people i know i did started off living in an apartment so i know you you know pay your rent and you got a landlord and and this that and the other um but it's a great place to start, and there's a lot of opportunity to buy underperforming, uh, underperforming apartments. So, in you know, in Canada, 60% of the apartment ownership is privately held. So we're talking mom and pops. So I don't own one, yeah, or, one, one, yeah. or two, one or two buildings. You know, most of that inventory is in Ontario and, and Quebec, and you know they're just run inefficiently. You know, we've we every you know, you know almost every deal that we've come across, it's a husband and wife. They've owned it for thirty years. They live five hours away from the property. It's the last property in their portfolio. Is more, they're not paying. They're not paying attention to it. Most of the inventories in Ontario and Quebec, like yeah, like what's what's most like uh, i'm just curious I, I i i didn't know i know quebec like i know the montreal area specifically i know quebec yeah. it's just a large rental population i think per capita they have the largest rental population in canada and right? they have a higher propensity to even you know rent rent homes too right yeah um it's much more european in in that way uh i don't, I don't have the yeah i don't okay, wanna, i don't, so I don't have fun. the numbers no I, I just know that when we you know for instance we're we're right now we're we're kind of 
paying attention to the 401 corridor, so call it. We haven't got to Ottawa yet, so we're kind of sort of Windsor to Kingston. Okay. And when we look at privately held apartments, um, we're tracking about 2,500 buildings, about 140,000 doors. Well, that's and that's privately owned. How, how yeah. are you tracking that? So you're going collecting data. You're you're basically data mining old school. We are we are like, so Google Earth. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, the, we go through the city plans. Um, we look at the city zoning because some are really really good about identifying, you know, what parts of the city are you know high density residential, what are commercial, what are industrial, and so you use Google Maps. We also drive. Um, we no, use a, so we, that's, we, that's real that's real estate. You, well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's how you have to do it. Real estate investing. You know, the well, resident, the average residential investor has gotten away from that, but that's what it always used to be. Going to land registry office, trying yep, to pull yep. title, you, you, you know, it. that type of stuff. So, that's what it always was, right? Yeah. yeah. So we have the, you know, the the name and address and phone number for these building Nick owners. Nick and I used and, to write letters to people yeah. who looked like it's they wanted so, to sell. We would write letters saying, so, "You don't know me, but uh, if you're looking to sell your this is very timely because my wife and I have been talking about moving." And, you know, this is a you know crappy time for to either list and a crappy time to buy because there's not a lot of inventory to take a look at. And, and so we're I said, this is what we're going to do. I said, we're going to we've got a real estate agent that we that we a friend of the family that that is going to keep an eye out for us. But I said to her, I said, look, you pick the areas that you want to live in. I said, we're going to use Google Earth and we're going to drive around. And then I said, we're going to come up with a canned letter. And it's going to say, I like your house. You don't know who I am. If you're ready to sell, give us a call. And I said, that's how we're going to do it. You do that enough, even repeatedly in the yeah. same area. Yeah. You're going to get someone. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's so, okay, so that's what you've done with the apartment building. That's what we've done with the apartment building. So, you know, what is that? That's a lot of work. And, you know, for, for example, the first, I believe the first four buildings that we purchased, it was through two transactions. We made uh, 1,400 phone calls. Wow. And had a hundred different meetings with um, property owners, building owners. A hundred. A hundred. Really? Wow. Yeah, we so did. You, we, we put out ten, ten offers to do two deals. Yeah, actually, those numbers yeah. kind of make sense. The ten offers, two deals. Yeah, yeah hundred yeah. meetings. I'm just, I'm just dreading the hunt, the, the, the investment <laughs> well, of time for the hundred meetings. Well, when we well, used to yeah. do the, and, ten. and they're not all good meetings. A yeah. lot of them are, you know, get the. Yeah, yeah, off yeah, my property, yeah, never yeah, darken yeah. my door again, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. you know, like, yeah, we'll come back. Yeah, <laughs> we'll come back. We'll be here when you're ready. When you're when ready, you're ready we'll, we'll be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th there's a lot of legwork. And that's how involved. long have you guys? How long has Equiton been around? So Equiton's been around since 2014. Um, okay. The apartment fund's been around since 2016. Okay. And so the, the this was a lot of legwork by you and the CEO. No, we had to have an acquisition team. Okay. So they they do a lot of the fence hopping and and you know being chased by dogs and yeah, getting sworn okay. at kind yeah, of good thing for them. Okay. Yeah. But you know, we, we walk every building that we buy. So I go through the units and take pictures of the units and check got out it. the risers and the staircase. So, and that, check out so the parking you guys garage. are building a fund off that. So Correct. people can invest in those buildings that you're buying. The payout of the fund is a return on cash flow from the rents. Correct. Yeah. There's so the, the building's cash flow that that pays a, a monthly distribution and as well as, you know, the sort of the unit price going up, like the share price going up over time. Right. Of the fund. Yeah. OK. Got so it. it's, it's it's kind of, you know, if you were the, the best analogy would be it's kind of like a mutual fund, right? A mutual fund is a basket or a pool of other companies in there. And this is what, you know, an apartment fund like this is. It's a it's a pool of apartments you know, large scale apartments that most people, you know, they either don't have the time, money or the interest in owning and managing. So we do all the heavy lifting and worry about the, you know, broken toilets and making sure the units are turned over and that we're getting market rent, all that kind of stuff. So passively, um, they don't have to do any of the hard work. 
Because you guys are property managing them Correct. yourselves. Correct, yeah. Okay, so you're buying property managing. The investor invests into this thing, gets a share of the monthly cash flow paid out probably quarterly, semi-annually. It's monthly. It's monthly, monthly, So you're paying out monthly. The share prices go up because the value, as you buy more buildings, the value of the shares are worth more. Is that driving the the price of the the, share? The the value of the buildings. uh, Okay, sorry. The value of the buildings buildings themselves are going up. Over time. Over time. You know, because the cash flow is improving because, you know, we're buying these underperforming assets. So the, you know, the, the buildings will improve in terms of cash flow. The tenants are paying your mortgage. So the equity is increasing and, you know, you hold real estate over time that tends to go up in value. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is there a calculation it? on the share price then? You know, how's that share price? Yeah, under yeah, some it, algorithm it, that you're taking equity into? No, it's, and... it's again, it's based on the audited statements. What the, the you know, what? Yeah, the, okay. What, so it's just a flat uh, yeah. determination. That here's yep. what everything's worth. So the share prices are worth this. Based on this the number. This many shares are outstanding yes. divided by this number. And there, there's some, you know, small adjustments for, you know, mortgages on the building kind of thing because some mortgage would be below market or under market. So this, it's a little bit, that's a little bit complicated, but essentially it's the value of the property. So, you know, going back to the original part of our conversation where we said, you know, if you're investing in real estate through the public market, your investment is the value of the stocks, but the stocks don't always translate to the value of the buildings. Because think about it in 2008, you know, the Toronto Stock Exchange was down 33%. Everybody was losing their shirt. Public real estate investments, those that traded on the stock market, were down 38%. So they fell even further than the stock market. But think about it. If you owned a building that was worth $10 million and the stock market crashed, what's your building worth if you were a private owner? Yeah, it's still worth still, the same. Still income worth 10, didn't change on the building. That's right. Unless but, rents collapsed, but we haven't seen that type you, of environment. Rents have stayed, stayed correct. steady. And so if you owned... Uh, a real estate investment in the stock market that invested in a $10 million building, what's your investment worth when the stock market crashes? 38% less. But that building's still worth $10 million. So there's always been this disconnect when it comes to the value of the asset versus the value of your investment as an investor that is it's kind of disconnected when it comes to investing in real estate. Yeah. And the upside has been obviously always kind of advertised as the liquidity. I know we can kind of debate and argue if it does exist or doesn't exist, but I guess in a private thing like yourselves, Mm -hmm. how liquid would your, the apartment building fund, how liquid is that? So there's monthly liquidity. Okay, you guys are able to do that, Correct. but there must be some shutdown where if sure. you can't pay out, which yeah, to so, me as I mean, an investor we, we, is a positive. Yes, I mean you you want to make sure that there isn't you know quote yeah. run on the fund. Yes, um, which you know again has happened in in the past, and, you know not just in in you know privates, but in in publics as well. But what you you know what you want out of that is there's there's additional stability because you know that you know people are investing with the same mindset. You know, we, we tell investors, if you're, if you're, you know, want to take a flyer on this for, you know, six months or 12 months or whatever, it's not the right thing for you. Go and, go and get something on the stock market that you can jump in and out of and, and make some quick money if you, if you think you can time it yeah. right. This is a, a long-term kind of set, it, set I, it and forget it. Sometimes I think when you choose the right asset class or if you feel comfortable with the asset class, because mm-hmm. I know everyone's going to argue about what the right asset class sure. is, but if you feel like you're choosing an asset class that, are right, that is right for you, 
a lack of liquidity can be actually a benefit in mm -hmm. a weird way because I know Nick and I have wanted to sell rental properties before mm -hmm. when we've had a vacancy at a time where we didn't have time to deal with it, which right. is always. Yes. And you're just instantly mm -hmm. then sell that piece of crap property. Nick, just yeah. sell Dump that it. thing. Dump and we've it. both been on the other side of that conversation where the other one of us has been in a better state of mind that day to or talk, week. Talk or the other one off yeah, the Yeah, like, you know yep. what? Yep. Let's just kind of get it through this and hold it. And thankfully, looking mm -hmm. back, we've always held. Yes. And it's paid out handsomely for us. Mm -hmm. If it was just where you could like log an app and click a button to get myself out of that property, yep. it would have been really not a, not yeah. a good investment for us. So uh, the illiquid, if you're in a good asset class, yes. the lack of liquidity can actually yeah. be uh, positive to fight your negative emotions that we all have. That's right. And for many people, you know, they're investing through registered funds. So they're RSPs, TFSAs yeah, or whatever. Got it. Got it. People don't access that. I mean, yeah. Of course, there are hardship cases where people need to get access to that and they're willing to, you know, yeah. kind of pay the tax or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. But for most people, it's, yeah, I'm going to worry about that 10, 15, 20 years from now. Totally. Or, Especially, or, you're right, if, if it's in something like an RRSP. I was at the bank the other day and, and the guy, I guess it's, I didn't even realize it's RRSP season coming up and the guy's like, hey, you know, uh, can I offer you an RRSP? And, <laughs> and I'm like, actually, I don't own any. Yeah. And the look on his face, yeah. just pure devastation, yes, despair. He was just, worried for me. Wow. And I said, don't worry, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and the and let me tell you something. I think you're a young guy. You have RRSPs. I think taxes are going to be a lot higher when you pull yours out. Probably just sell yours right now. <laughs> the look <laughs> on his face. He was not impressed. No. And then he went off to the TFSA. And I'm like, yeah, okay, the tax-free savings account, that makes a bit more sense. I could put some stuff in there yeah. and get it tax-free. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I wish that just the, the sheer... The, you should have recorded it. I wish I could have got this guy's response <laughs> that you don't own a new RRSP. He was just mystified by me. Yeah. I just love that, uh, the fact that I don't. But someone who does, you are limited in some of your investments. And, and that's what we didn't talk about. Some mm -hmm. of this private market stuff is RRSP eligible. Correct. Is it all RRSP eligible or do you have to apply to make it RRSP eligible? How does that work? So the way it works is, you know, to get into the complicated legal structure, sure. what ends up happening is um, you have to have a trust in place for your offering memorandum. Okay, security, got it. So right? it has to be so if, held so, separately. Yeah. So if the if there is a well, you know, for 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 you know for your audience, they probably understand this. That really, what happens is you've got a you've got an LP, like a limited partnership, and a, and a general partnership, and that's um you know that's what does the work, and around that LP GP structure, you put this trust wrapper, right? Okay. So it's called a mutual fund trust, actually. Okay. And the only reason that you have this mutual fund trust around the LP GP is so that the trust is able to accept registered funds. Okay, got it. So but not everybody does that because there's an additional layer work. of complexity and additional layer of costs and there's more reporting and yada, yada, yada. But if you want to make these kinds of investments available to as wide an audience as possible, you got because it. a lot of people don't have jingle, jingle cash sitting around, but they've got you know, RSP money that's not doing well for them or they're, you know, as yeah, you sure. were looking at the fees and thinking, oh my God, I'm getting ripped yeah, off yeah, here. Yeah, I need yeah. to do something else with this. Yeah. Um, it, it's available for those kinds of investments. So yeah. our, like RSP, TFSA, Lira, RESP. Got it. Yeah. And so how do you explain when it's real estate's a tough thing uh, for me sometimes to discuss because some someone will say, well, I'm going to get into real estate as a point of diversification. Mm -hmm. And Nick and I always think the real estate market is, as we were alluding to earlier, it in itself is so there's apartment buildings, yep. there's condos, there's yep. Airbnb, there's, develop, there's stuff, development, land there's, development. Yep. Just in that, you can't just kind of go into real estate thinking you're going to be diversified. Where do you think you guys, I, I apartment buildings 
every time I've talked to Canadian banks, mm-hmm. Canadian banks think of them as some of the most stable real estate in the them. country they, of Canada. They, they love them. Yeah, because rents stay stable. Yep. Um, and they feel like it's a very, it, they basically feel like it's the safest real estate type investment mm-hmm. in Canada. Is is there an answer you give to people on where does this fit in your real estate diversification play? Um, I guess it's just that it's, we've already answered the question that it's safe and stable. I think it's, you know, it's not, uh, it shouldn't be the entire portion of anybody's portfolio, but it is, it should be a slice and, you know, really depending on how, how far you want to diversify, you know, I, we, we do have, you know, clients and people that we've talked to that I don't like development, you know, because I got to give the money today and I don't see any cash flow for three, five, seven years. And I don't like the risk or I don't like the complexity or whatever. And, th- you know, so that, you know, so development's not for them. Um, you know, some people don't like the, you know, the really with commercial property. So true commercial properties. I know sometimes the banks will consider apartments a commercial sure, property. Yeah, because of the lending they consider commercial. Uh, that's but right. You know, so, you know, for commercial, you got to worry about um, vacancy vacancies a lot more than you do with apartments yeah. because they can they can run longer or you've got, you know, a building that now has to be, you know, refit because you've got a different tenant profile going in. So, but those are all things that, you know, as part of due diligence, when you're looking at these kinds of assets that you want to make sure you, you understand and you, and you plan for those things. Um, you know, but real estate is, is apartments specifically are set it and forget it. Yeah. Every data that we've looked at as far as rents, um, whenever there's been any sort of economic correction, crisis, whatever you want to talk about, rents seem to stay very stable Mm -hmm. and And they, and they outpace inflation. Late, um, the last statistics we had is like two to yeah, one. Yeah, and I'm Provided. sure I'm sure lately mm-hmm. uh, they're outpacing inflation. You're right. Yeah. I don't know historically though. I've never no, his, really his, seen that data. I've, I've got really yeah two to, two to one, almost two to one. I'm going to bug you for that data. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Pro- provided they were like you know in a, especially if they were in, in a, a good re- a rent controlled environment. Because if you look at what's happened in Alberta after the oil sands, very, very point, those true. rents were hammered. Very yeah, very very true. So depending, you know, there's some factors there. But for the most part, big city with demand, you know, those are some smaller areas stuff like that you know one of the things that we found that is i guess it's not surprising to us anymore but as we were as we were ramping up is that and again it's the it's the mom and pop owners the the kind of hands off i've had it for 30 years it's cash flowing i'm not really paying that much attention to it you would be surprised you know almost to an owner they don't know what market rent is yeah so even it's probably paid off they're just got this big cash flow can you imagine having a building like however many units paid off Right. right. Yeah, yeah. And and it's so well. What do we? What did this guy pay last month? Oh, thousand bucks. Okay, ask a thousand and five. Meanwhile, the building two doors down is fourteen hundred. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. they don't even ask. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, we know someone in uh, in Kitchener who's just going through a bit of a changeover on a building, and they're changing some rents. I want to say from like eight hundred, nine hundred to like twelve hundred, yep. which obviously changes yep. the value of the building greatly. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, if you, we've we've had that happen too. Yeah. Where we've gone from, you know, a one bedroom was 600 a month. We put in some renos. Um, and when we turned it over, we were we were charging three four hundred dollars more a month. We see some developers in on, uh, in Ontario discussing, and Nick, we've talked about this before, discussing how that's actually a development opportunity now to pick Absolutely. up underperforming apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. And instead of building the building and going through the regulations that exist yes. in this province yep. to build, yep. forget it, buy an underperforming apartment building, mm-hmm. renovate it all yep. over time, sell it, refinance, do whatever they want with it, yep. and they're looking at it as actually a development project, per- but a very yep. stable development project sure. because they're able to generate revenue throughout the cycle of this project right yeah so, absolutely that that's certainly a, a strategy as well yeah with the cost of where everything's going it's you know there's more and more demand for those that that 
um, size of space, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. the, 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 you know, we're in the markets that we're in, we're, you know, call it $110,000, $115,000 a door is kind of the, the pricing that we're seeing on, on some of these buildings. But I know if I was to go and try and build brand new at today's land prices, at today's construction costs, at today's development costs, I'm probably closer to $300,000 a unit. So the like the barriers to entry, it's you you buy pre-owned cra- there's a crazy rather than build oppor- new. It seems like there's a crazy opportunity uh, right now for those of us in this space because you can kind of see where the po- the immigration and population growth mm-hmm. stats look to be pointing, like yep. increasing or steady. Yep. And lack of supply already. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of an arbitrage situation where you're like, I can see the data. Like, I see what's going on yeah. here. Um, I just came from one talk. It was an RBC economist talking about, and I don't have the number in front of me, but the number of houses being built today or new units, sorry, being built today is less than two years ago. But our populate, both our population yeah. growth, in the, gro- uh, growth in the province and immigration is up. Yes. So we're, we're supplying less, but demand is up. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason we're just seeing rents in all the markets we're in, Cliff, and I'm sure you're seeing it as well. Just strong demand for rent. Yeah. And right and in so I've I've heard I don't know this is not super timely information, but at some point last year, I remember uh, you know talking to a millennial, as you do, and you know there were um, bidding wars for rental units in Toronto. Oh yeah, well, yeah. That, that was as, as, I mean maybe I don't know if it's happened in Jan- I haven't heard of a January story, but I've heard of the December, said, November, October. I just I well I just heard, heard of some just uh, uh, 90 minutes ago, mm-hmm. someone in our office was dealing with someone who was renting out a three Nick, you know them, deal uh, rented out a three bedroom townhome in North Oakville here. Mm-hmm. Feel lucky that they got it cuz there was multiple offers on no the rental. Way. So it's yeah. it's still kind of going it's that crazy. way. It's crazy. So there's yeah. there, you L- know the, less bidding up, but yep. definitely multiple offers, offers on the rental property. And you know what there, you know, there there is um, new rental coming online. It doesn't even put a, you know, it doesn't even come close to sure. su- yeah, supporting yeah. the the demand that's there. But a lot of times, it's when the you know when the building owner has had been sitting on the land for a number of years, so they can attribute a zero cost to that sure. land, right? Yeah, so yeah. in in Toronto, if you look at some of the high rise buildings there, they've 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 got a little parquet, right? That they can now. They can yeah. prop, they can prop <laughs> they something can make up. Millions they can off make of them. they can make a ton of money on yeah. it. Or, or you know, I remember in, when they used to build buildings with with a little park and, yeah. and yeah. grass. Can yeah. you imagine grass yeah. around the yeah. buildings? Crazy. Yeah. Why yeah. would they do that? What a waste of those space. Those two build buildings. <laughs> those two buildings where we grew up in Mississauga. We were just talking yeah, about them. Huge. Rental buildings. These are two rental buildings. East side of Mississauga, Burnham yeah. Thorpe, on the border of Etobicoke, pretty yep. much. Yep. Huge green space, walkways, parks around these apartment buildings, yep. like massive. Play area. They're now going to build another. I think two or four. I can't remember jam, rental jam them in. rental yeah. property buildings on that land. Yeah. I'm like, who is someone is cashing in huge, huge. on this thing? And right so now. that's where the numbers can work, right? Because now and you don't you don't have land costs there because you've been sitting sure, on it's it already for been 30, acquired 30 and they're years going to develop it. Yeah. And I just heard this stat also from this RBC economist this morning that was talking about how first time home buyers used to make up for years were making up more than 50 percent of all activity, mm-hmm. and now it's under 40. Wow. So that's a big chunk. And it's after the stress test where it's harder to get mortgages Absolutely. last year. Yep. And all that demand is being pushed into the rental space. Correct. And so, you know, sometimes governments, we make these changes and everyone's kind of going around patting themselves on the back saying we cooled <laughs> the market down. But you're just, you're kind of like one problem. You're, you're squashing down one problem, but at the same time as you push down one yeah, another one, pressure somewhere popping else. up somewhere yes. else, right? So, so it's it's uh, it's fascinating to see that. So C- CMHC's latest stats are the average age for someone in Canada, so there's going to be some regionality, right? But the average age of someone in Canada 
um, when they are going to be able to afford to buy their first home, so condo, townhouse, semi, whatever it is, 37. Yeah. Wow. How things have changed, man. Yeah, that's a big shift. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Third, 37. So yeah. if, you know, if so you. That means if you do the math, if you get a 25 year mortgage, which is still like the most sure. common term. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? You're 63. We're going to Japan, generational mortgages, man. Yeah. You're going to yeah. have kids, and when they're born, you're going to say thank you. Yeah, there you go. Pass Here's this the, on to yeah. your kids. Yeah. Well, but it's why in yeah. Europe, they, I mean, there's no like f- like no, the, the regular sales of property. The property state, no. like, like we were talking yeah. about. It stays you in know, the family. You, you know, your wife's family had, you know. Property in Florence. For, yeah. And it, like from generation mm-hmm. to generation. Because who owns multiple buildings in Florence as rentals? Like yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't well, happen, and, and they also like, new family units there are very used to living in smaller spaces. Yes. No one goes yeah. around in different pockets of developed Europe thinking I'm going to buy a house with a lot and put in a swimming pool in the yeah. back. Like no. that's just not no. that's that's a very Canadian North yes. American kind of. And, concept. and we have been we've been spoiled because we've got you know comparatively so much land, right? This whole you know country is built on the car kind of thing yeah. right you, you know burlington oakville but you can't can't get around on the bus it's weird though it's changing because all the jobs are being concentrated yes. in these huge urban centers yes. and now people yes. who are living further away transit, don't have the good transit jobs hubs. anymore yes. yeah it's yeah. like these transit hubs are becoming where you want to live because the jobs are there the mm-hmm. economy is booming there but you go into the rural parts of the of the country there's less mining there's less yep. good jobs going out there we're talking about the oil and stuff well there's, those jobs the, the new jobs don't need space right because there's less manufacturing you know, there's no you don't need to right. build a plant like you take away the amazon warehouses yeah. and who's building yeah anything correct. like that those are yeah. just the, and all the fac- slowly being closed and all right? the factories lifted off the ground and flew to china yeah so we don't need magically factory. yeah they, yeah that was amazing how that happened I they know. all got up and, and they just then, flew yep. over and they landed in china that's how that worked <laughs> um so yeah it's, it's just so a, nice of us to sell them all our natural resource companies so they take our natural resources take yeah. them over there out of our country develop rent coming. them and, yeah. re, and then sell yeah. them back to us at these increased yeah. costs it's like such a good government policy that we've had we're very yeah. smart Canadians <laughs> yeah. smart. and we'll apologize we, for it yeah, too yeah, 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 so we this, hey, we did we give clean, you a good enough deal on that yeah. lumber <laughs> you know you want a little more oil at a cheaper price yeah. we have yeah. clean water too Who does yeah, anyone have, want have that? that you know yeah <laughs> someone was telling me that someone's siphoning off I heard this the other day I this is obviously just BS. I, I have no data around it. That some Chinese company is siphoning off water off Lake Erie, oh, and I'm like, know. you got to get me data on this if this is actually mm-hmm. happening. Don't just tell me something like that without giving me. Some data. I've seen some of. But the, I wanted to see. It. I'm like, what are you talking about siphoning off water? I've seen some of the. I don't reports know if I'd of, want the water from Lake. No, Erie. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> but I've seen <laughs> some of the reports of what the water companies like the drilling kind of you know rates that they've paid for the land land to these wells, these bottled water companies, mm-hmm. and it's like they they pay like. Like Nothing. fractions of a cent, you know, yeah. and then they sell it to us. Like it's just crazy. Bottled water is a great. There, that can be your next. Uh, the next, mar- next, yeah, next fund, you bottled water. Your website also is www.equiton.com. That's correct. Equiton is e q u i t o n correct dot com. Correct. See, I did that right off you the top. You did, and yeah. we're on. I Facebook. was going to mess it up. You're no, staring no, at perfect. me. There we go. And we'll pressure, link the to pressure, it. The pressure yeah. was on. You're on Facebook as well. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Well, that's okay. And you're an investment company yeah, on I'm, Facebook. I'm not. Yeah, but the company is. Your <laughs> no, official no. title for um, Equiton is Chief Operating Officer. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. We'll bring you back again. Talk about more good stuff. Love to. Awesome. Thanks, Cliff. Thank you.
Hey everyone, it's Tom Crowds again. So hopefully you're enjoying that. That was Cliff from Equiton. Equiton is at E-Q-U-I-T-O-N.com. You can check out more about them there. Um, and if you're listening to this and you want to come out to one of our classes to learn about real estate investing, you can sign up for the next class at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's www.CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's where both Nick and I are there. We do a free introductory training class where we break down some of the investing strategies we're using right here with members and investors right across the Ontario and specifically I guess mostly around the Golden Horseshoe area um, you can come to our Oakville offices we stick around afterwards and answer any questions we do have a limited capacity in our training class so if you want to grab a seat you can go to CanadianRealEstateTraining.com to grab a seat there I think that's everything for today hopefully you're having a good week everyone until next time your life your terms